West Coast, good early evening, Central Time, East Coast. It's about 8 o'clock p.m. You probably just get into your groove. Welcome, welcome to Mindful Mondays uh, with uh, Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. Um, wow. What? A, I don't know what's going on. Kitty, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are things out there on the left coast? The left coast is weird. It's like this overcast. I think it's sprinkled or something over <laughs> In some parts, I didn't see it sprinkle. Then it hit my car, thank God, because I just got it washed. Um, but it's just been a really interesting day. It's cool. It cooled. It's cooled off for a second, and then I guess it's supposed to heat back up at the at the end of the week. But I watched a uh, on YouTube a high speed motorcycle chase. Did you, I don't know if you saw that? And they finally caught the guy in Pasadena. He was down in West Covina, Hacienda Heights, almost out to San Bernardino. And that's, that's how we do. <laughs> And get this, he stopped at a gas station, ran up to two people pumping their gas, don't know what he said. They stepped back, he pulled the hose from their car, put put gas in the tank of the motorcycle, and left. (laughs) Oh, wow. The police didn't even stop him? No, because he's on a motorcycle, and they they basically backed off because they know they can't keep up with him. He was going up to 130 miles an hour. I am mad about that. So if I that had been me, he would have been like, let me get that. And took that, put it in his motorcycle and kept it moving. Only only in California will you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have them at least two or three times a week. And it's slowed up. And I guess this is the beginning of this week's because it's, it's ridiculous. It's uh, we are known as the. Um, uh, the uh, <laughs> high speed chase capital of the high world. Speed. Yep. capital of the world like for real like at least three a week it's you know and when it's nine you, you don't hear about it so much and then all of a sudden it's like three or four in that week well good afternoon everybody evening i know we have folks from all over i was so excited to hear about some of the countries um that you mentioned that folks are listening to intentional talk radio i'm trying to go to my phone because i took a picture of that at the meeting and I was just so excited to see how many folks and where they're from and it it was just amazing um, some of the countries and I think one of the things is because some of these countries also probably have um, military bases and so our folks are probably trying to get a little get a little remnants of home there um, from that but I mean it is absolutely exciting to know that we have folks listening from Ireland um I'm looking for my thing Kenny come on give me some more I'm looking for it on my phone I probably should got Ireland China Trinidad and Tobago uh Russia South Korea ridiculous yeah all over the place so it is beautiful we have several shows I think almost 10 now scheduled from Sunday to Wednesday um with different themes and and everything and it's just it's been a great I love it. Um, I, I mean, I've been with you guys for a while with uh, in the mix uh, conversations with Colette and Corliss, but with the Mindful Mondays, it's really picking up as I meet people. I'm like, you're a psychologist? I think you need to be on my show. <laughs> Anytime I see, <laughs> I'm stalking people. What? Don't you do that? You need to be on my show. So without further ado, and before I bring on our guest, I have to give um, homage <laughs> to my wonderful sponsor, of Mindful Mondays, Dr. Ron Curtis, my favorite dentist in the whole world. I was just in on Thursday morning for a cleaning. And I said, have you been, have you been getting new clients? He said, there's been a couple of new people. 
I said, well, they've been listening to Mindful Monday. So, okay, there it is. But yes, he has 20 plus years of experience. He does it all general implants, cosmetic, can work a root canal. You wouldn't even feel it. I tell you, it's a beautiful thing. He's located at 8035 Manchester Boulevard, right there on the corner of Manchester and Falmouth. And um, dang it, I meant to, I, I saw the name of the building. It's a bank building, but it's a very tall building. You can't miss it. Um, but yes, I want to give a shout out to Dr. Ron Curtis. Really appreciate his support with this. Um, yes, so um, 503. Other than that, I, I, I haven't heard anything crazy. Um, this beside the, the chase, they did catch the, the the people who shot the little boy. Um, I don't know if you heard about that, Kenny, in Texas about the little boy. Yeah, um, on the fifty five. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So, so they finally actually mentioned, which I kept saying that they were kind of downplaying. They finally mentioned that she was involved in a road rage situation. So I don't know if she cut them off. Oh, well, I'm assuming I'm going to assume something happened with her that she did for them to then pull out the, 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 the gun and shoot at her. I'm just I just don't get why everybody's ready to shoot people. Yeah, from what I understand, it is it was a road rage situation. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I, I was talking to someone today, um, and I said, you know what? When I drive, I just be like, okay, you obviously got to get to where you're going. I'm not going to get in your way. Go ahead. It's not that serious, especially with everybody that keeps shooting. Um, all these shootings and things, but oh, I tell you, um, this has been um, a very interesting 14 months, year and a half um, of just tragedy, tragedy, I can't even talk. <laughs> death. Tragedy. <laughs> tragedy. I know, I'm like, tragedy, death. Oh, it's just, it's so much. And, and when you think about it, it, you know, you just sometimes you just need a time to just stop and take an hour on Mindful Mondays for yourself. Last week we had a hypnotherapist and he, boy, I was so relaxed. <laughs> he took us through like a five or seven minute breathing type exercise. And I was just like, okay, wow. That, you know, when you just stop and really concentrate on your breathing, it really, really, truly helps. So today I have a repeat guest. She's here by herself in her hot pink with her hair flowing with the little highlights looking all stuff. <laughs> My girl, Dr. Tabitha Taylor, yes. um, who joined us before um, with Denise Williams, if I'm saying that correctly. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And we have Tabitha coming on today because it's just so much going on. And I try to make sure I have a balance between men and women who are coming mm-hmm. on the show but no matter if you're a man or a woman, this will help you if you're a man, for sure, because at least you'll get to understand your woman. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or not. Or not, right? <laughs> or, or not. Or it just, it just gives you an opportunity to just kind of rest. There goes the phone. There, here we go. <laughs> so we're just, we're getting, my folks are letting me know they're here. I got Sabrina and her family up in Sacramento. Terry Kennard is here in Los Angeles. I have, um, I hope I'm saying the name right. Oh, I don't want to mess it up. Um, 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 um. Tashambe, Tashambe. I hope I'm saying that right. Thank you for listening. I'm, you'll get me later um, if I'm not saying it right, but I did want to send a shout out to you. I'm not sure if my sister's on or whatever, but a lot of folks have really been tuning in and a lot of the topics have been so meaningful. And again, just taking that time out for yourself. 
And that is really what is important. And so today, Tabitha is going to talk with you or talk to us Mm -hmm. um, about her African-American women support group and just basically her theme in supporting African-American women. So Mm -hmm. I will let you take it away. You can give us a little background about you for those who are new to you. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you again for inviting me. This is, as you know, you're my girl from back in the day at USC, fellow Trojans fight on. And yes, absolutely. One of the things I had this crazy idea about wanting to help people, always did. It was natural for me. So that wasn't necessarily the crazy part, but going to graduate school, because when I tell you I ducked and dodged it for years, I did. But I kept coming back to counseling because I love to help people. And when I was in uh, my master's program. I had to write a thesis. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to write this, I'm going to write it about something that's true and near and dear to my heart. And that is African-American women, Black women. And I was looking at Black women in depression. And as I was going and researching, I kept seeing that Black women, other women of color, depression does not manifest the same way as it does in women not of color. And We have a tendency, we have this great idea when we're going through something. I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get a new career. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to really focus on doing whatever this particular thing that you're going to do because you are looking to get happy. But yet we get that, we become the doctor, the lawyer, the businesswoman, we buy the house and we're still not happy. Right. Because we don't give enough time for ourselves. And so as I went on this journey, I said, wow, depression and how it looks like. So I wrote it, put it together. It was good. But when I went and did my doctorate of psychology, I was focused. I said, I'm going to write about Black women. We don't have a voice. We get in there and you give us a job and we're going to work it and do it 500% above. And we're going to do it. But at what expense? And we have high numbers of adult onset heart disease diabetes, hypertension. I have an aunt who's in the hospital now dealing with bacteria in her defibrillator. Oh, wow. Because for weeks, oh, I'm doing okay. Auntie, you sure you're okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, I'm good, I'm good. Then we had to put her in the hospital in Saturday over in Chicago. So I have to give a shout out to my aunt who I love very much. And I'm hoping that she's going to be good. It's been up and down. But she's the epitome of that woman who states black woman i'm a, i'm good i'm good i'm i'm going to do this and we're not inside we're dying but we're not going to let you show it because we can't afford to because we got to put our big girl panties on and we have got to keep it pushing and so when i got my doctorate i was or in my doctor program rather i was reading and reading different authors the strong black woman melissa harris perry tenure above audrey lord just going back and i was like this strong black woman masks quite a bit i said this is mama grandmama my aunt my mama i'm a uh, grandmother i'm a father's side i kept seeing all the matriarchs and successful women but had adult onsets of many diseases and died young and i thought wow we suffer in silence. We look for our sense of self, worth, value in the letters behind our names, the proud ownership of businesses and homes, 
but yet we're missing our essence of self. And we're allowing external factors to define who we are. So when I started in the group practice, KNS Therapeutic Services, the owner is Yeshiva Davis. I told her, I said, Yeshiva, I'm going to start a group or African-American group, process group for women. She said, okay, what's it going to be about? I said, I don't know quite yet, but help me involve it. And so the one thing about process is it affords you the opportunity to get in a group of people where you can see the behaviors that you do outside happen within the room, the dynamic, you have all different triggering factors and things that happen that bring about your natural behavior. But what it is, it's a safe place for someone to say, okay, wait a minute, do you realize that you do this and this or that you came across like this? And most often it's what they're hearing outside. But the process groups affords you an opportunity to get the support and have a facilitator there to mediate it, to help you learn what those, what we call maladaptive behaviors, self-sabotaging behaviors, and you can process what you're doing in the room, take that outside and garner better relationships because see what's happening out there happens in the room. And so for me, I have an eclectic group. We do process where support. They'll say many times, okay, Dr. Tablet, she's about to jackhammer us because we're trying to fake the funk. And I'm like, no, you can't fake the funk in the room. We got to talk about what's happening, what's coming in the room. And it's very difficult because we want to hold on to those feelings and emotions. We haven't afforded ourselves the opportunity to know that it's okay to cry. It's okay to say, I'm not doing good today. It's okay to ask for help. But the reason why we don't know it is because we haven't been trained. And not because our mamas didn't want to, but they didn't know how to. But they told us, get out there, fight. It's not going to be fair. Life is hard. You got to do what you need to do. And But with that came this phenomenon of internalizing the hurt, the pain, the struggle, and the mask going up. Tell me, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Mm-hmm, I'm doing well. And I'm in the process of getting a divorce, can't deal with my, my child, trying to figure out how we're going to make the house payment. And that's just a scenario, not necessarily my case. But yet I get in that business office or get in that business room or excuse me, boardroom and at my business, whatever it is. And I'm good. Oh yeah, I'm fine. Oh, wonderful. And dying inside mm-hmm. because we give to spouse or relationship, children, career, community. And we have about 10% that we give to ourselves. And that number needs to expand because you have to learn how to heal from the inside out. And more often we're trying to heal from the outside in. And that's where we're struggling. And to even admit that you're having a hard time is very challenging because if I let you know I have a hard time, then you perceive me as weak. And by no means am I going to sit in front of you and you think I'm weak? Oh, no, because see, I'm a strong Black woman. I've got my PhD, JD, my business, working at the post office, pulling in good money, whatever it may be. So you're not going to, you're not going to see me cry. No way. Because then you may have a little insight to who I am and I can't afford for you to know that because I don't even know who she is herself. Wow. Wow. And, and, you know, and it's really interesting that you say, because 
we are trained from growing up that we've got to hold our own. Yes. And, and though we cry, but it's usually, you know, um, um, something like for real, like not, not that yeah. there's any order, but, you know, grieving, you know, someone has passed, you know, uh, uh, somebody's in the hospital, something, it has to be kind of one of those big things, but just to be crying because I'm lonely. Exactly. Just to be crying because, um, I didn't get that job or I lost my job. No, you can't see me like that. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's really interesting because, um, cause when you said that, it, it reminded me of when I had my first bone marrow transplant back in 2008 mm-hmm. and, um, I, I wasn't on Facebook like I was with the 2019 one, which helped me to get the word out easier. And I got so much love and support mm-hmm. while wow, it was overwhelming. So in 2008, and so one of my students said he was going to come up, a former student from Occidental. Um, mm-hmm. This is before USC and before my master's. He was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to come and see you. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I never heard from him. Hmm. And so it took a minute, maybe about two weeks. I was like, wait a minute. Andre was supposed to come and see me because he lived in Whittier. I was in Bellflower. Mm-hmm. And so I called. And this, this is what let me know, like, how people perceive you. I called him and I said, boy, what's wrong with you? You didn't come see me. Tabitha, mm-hmm. the man broke down and cried. Really? He was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, whoa. Like, I was like, whoa. I didn't- I was like, well, I'm down. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know what to do because I don't know. I, you always supported me, but I didn't know how to support you. Right. You're wow. always the one that's saving my butts, but I never knew. No, I didn't know what to do with you. And mm-hmm. I don't think I can handle seeing you in the hot. Sorry, I'm by the uh, fire department, obviously. Um, I just never thought that I, I didn't think I can, I had anything to give you because you're always so giving and you know, you're my mentor. And I did, and I'm just like, and I'm, I'm sitting there holding the phone. Like I, this man is boo-hooing. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. He's so hear upset that yeah. he felt like he couldn't do anything for me. And that's why he didn't come see me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Cause believe it or not, Corliss, we do bleed if we cut. Yes. Lord. We do bleed if we're cut. But when you present a certain way, oh, she's going to be fine. Corliss, oh, she's got, she's going to be fine. Right. I heard it myself. She's going to be good. Yes. But at what cost? And what were you going on in the internal struggle? And so when people act like we can't bleed when we're cut, then we go in more and more and shove that down. Well, now I've got to fake the funk. And so I put my imposter syndrome on. Mm. I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm doing good. Because we don't have a place to release and say, I'm not doing good. I am in pain. Yes. And that is the one thing that I work really hard in putting my group together. And when we're in the room... I give you space to take your time and flow. But if I know you can go deeper and you're being doing it at the surface level, we're going to unzip. Now I'm going to zip you back up before the, before the time is up, but you're going to get unzipped. And everybody kind of sits back and is like, Ooh, good. I'm glad it's not my turn. Cause I put myself out there, but I built it in such a way where I don't even have to put 
my that effort in as much because the group itself will say, well, wait a minute, how are you feeling? Because Corliss, how many times when someone asks, oh, how are you feeling? Oh, girl, you know, it's been a hard day because, you know, I was working today and I had to get the kids. Feelings are one word. Happy, sad, agitated, confused. A lot of times, and when I was in my office before virtual, but I have a wonderful thing that now I put on Zoom where I can share the screen. I would have to say, okay, here's the feelings chart. Here's the happy part, the sad part, the angry part. Which of these do you feel? And I literally had to read each word because when we talk about feelings, we use thoughts and statements. Feelings are one word. And we may have a little bit of a feeling, but we implement with a whole sentence. And those aren't feelings. I spend a good six months working with a lot of women just to say the feelings. I'm like, mm-mm, that's statement. Well, mm-mm, statement. That's a feeling. Uh, 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 I said, come on, let's work it. Do you need my feelings chart? They get so mad at me. They're like, we already know about the feelings chart. We don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I said, well, what's the feeling? Because we speak to our thoughts. I can tell you with every eloquence and articulateness of what I'm thinking. But if you ask me what I'm feeling, I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I went to the gross. No, that's that's not what I asked you. I and that's what I learned or what I teach rather. And the women learn within the group is how to attach and attune to their feelings and speak them out because it's so important because if you can't speak it out, then it's still ruminating in your head and you're not giving yourself permission to really feel the feeling. Is it, is it that we're justifying our feeling? Like if you just say, quarter time, girl, I'm good, but da, 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 or, oh, I'm all right because I did this. Is it, is it that I'm telling you I'm all right, but I'm also justifying why I'm all right or justify why I'm, you know, is, is that what it is? And that's what you're trying to pull people from? It's, it's kind of like this badge of honor. If I tell you what I'm feeling, then I have to be vulnerable. And if I have to be vulnerable, then I'm probably going to be embarrassed and shame because I heard that you should always have it together. So it's this internal struggle of I'm not really feeling good, but I'm supposed to feel good, even though it's very hard and dealing as a black woman with the racism and the sexism and how we're objectified as a social uh, construct of what the women should look like. So it's this battle. It's conflicting emotions and it's a struggle because there is some justification. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm good. And there's rationalization because if I tell you, Corliss, how I feel, I don't know if you're safe Mm. and I don't know how it's going to sit with you. And are you going to make me feel worse than I already feel because I've told you my secret and God forbid you tell somebody else that I was feeling a certain type of way. It's very hard to find the place to do that because as Black women, we don't necessarily have our safety. We'll have a girlfriend here, a girlfriend there, but I don't want, I don't want to burden Corla. She, she's got a lot of stuff going on in her life. So I, I'll figure this out. I'll tell you a little bit, but I don't want you to worry about me. Mm. So I'm so busy caring for you because that's our go-to is caring for other people that I don't even know how to care for myself. Right. 
because we have not been taught to care for ourselves. So in the group, I teach the women how to care for yourself, self-acceptance, self-love, healing from the inside out, reframing that thought of I could do it all and say, I really don't have to do it all. I'll do what I can do. We're on this big move to, I want to get it right. I, 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 perfectionism is huge for Black women. And I read in a book and it was freeing and I brought it to the group. We're so busy trying to do it right that we're going to fail because we're imperfect. There's only one perfect being. So if we're constantly trying to go on this journey of not fail. We don't live life because we are going to fail instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to live my life. I'm probably going to miss something, but I'm going to keep going because I'm not consumed with failing. I'm just letting me live my life. And that's a much happier life than always every day. Okay. How do I get this right? How do I get this right? How do I do this? I battle it myself. I'm like, I missed some words when I'm talking on here and I said some things wrong and I didn't say boardroom in my own head. And I said, wait a minute. It's done. It's said now. Move on. Your point is going to come across. You don't have to have everything perfect and say everything perfect for the message to come across because it's not about me. It's about the message. And so I use myself quite a bit in the room. Dr. Tabitha doesn't know it right either. She has her own internal struggles and you will too. I have the group journal. They do affirmations. They create them for themselves. A lot of times, and this is outside of the group within my practice with women, I have them create their own affirmations. And then I have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to make you stand in a mirror and recite that while you have no clothes on. Oh, wow. Is that that total of just being... Totally vulnerable, right. releasing everything and looking at your body in its beauty. Wow. You create it for yourself. Because if I don't create it for me, how am I going to let somebody else create it for me? If I don't love myself, right? how can I love someone else? And I'm how not can they love you? Right. Exactly. And how will they love you? Because see, I won't really take it in because I don't love myself. Right, right, right. Wow. Wow. The, wow. <laughs> and, you, and, I, you know, and, and I, I always try to look at, I call it the pandemic positives. Yeah. There, there's okay. a few, mm-hmm. that, that many. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And one of the things, matter of fact, my pastor was talking about it yet. Today's Monday, right? <laughs> Mindful Monday, right? <laughs> yeah. Girl, I'm, I'm telling you the days I'm, I look up and it's like, it's Monday again. Right. The pastor was talking about yesterday and he was saying, you know, y'all wouldn't have stopped. You know how you know how we right go go go. Right. COVID slow. Right. Ah, it like, did. Sit your butt down. That's do right. Not right. Go outside and play. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was just like okay. You know, at first it's like, whoa, I'm at home. I'm working from home. I don't have to put no clothes mm-hmm. on from the bottom down. I put this cute shirt on, and then after the meetings on, I put on some sweats. Then it was like that was week one, and it was like okay, week two, woo woo, and then it was like okay, woo. Absolutely. But it's slow. I know for me, it's slow. It gave me the opportunity to just slow down, number one, and be one with myself. Right. You because know, there was it, no distractions. No distractions. You know, you live alone. Like I always point back at the wall behind me. The wall started to cave in. Mm-hmm. But before they got to that point, it was like, okay, I'm 
it's me and me. Like, this is it. You know, my mom is over there. I'll go see her, take her to her doctor's appointment. My sister's on the other side of town. But everybody's in their own space. And this is when they shut down for real the first time. And everybody was like, do not go outside and play. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, I, I, I was able to get some rest. I didn't feel so stressed that I had to go, 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 because I was nowhere to go, 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 go. That's right. And it gave me an opportunity to just think back and just say, you know, I can say no. No, I, I'm not coming over. Thanks. No, I can't come to your party. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And start thinking about, you know, what, 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 what does Corliss want to do? What makes Corliss mm-hmm. happy? Because I'm so busy making sure, like you said, that everyone else is in place. And especially after the death of my father, I just was so nervous about my mom because I was like, Lord, yes. please do not take her I, right now because y'all will have to, y'all will have to put me in the house or the, the 5150 me because I, I don't know if I could have handled that. And so it was just like, I'm just so glad that the California State University system said work from home. I'm glad that it didn't say which home. So I moved back here. <laughs> back here, right? I'm like, it didn't say which home. As long as I got the homes I got. Because you got home. That's right. But it was just, you know, taking care of everything. And I didn't get the chance to grieve. And right. one day it slapped me in my face and in the September. And I was just like, whoa, what is going Why am I just crying? And then I was like, oh. And so when I think about that, you know, these emotions, grief, happiness, sadness, depression, anxiety, all these different things are real. And like you said, we hide them. We do. We do. Because as you know, I lost my father a month after you lost your father. Right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, as I was going through the process of COVID and I was working with clients and I was trying to figure this out, a big part of therapy is the face-to-face. I hear what you're saying, but your body language speaks so much more loudly and I can really assess, okay, this is what's going on. There's some anxiety, there's some sadness and you can hide a lot of that in a virtual session because it's just looking at a screen. And I remember when it first started, I thought, okay, how are we going to make this work? I found my hips hurting more because I'm sitting down all the time. I need to get up, do a squat here, get myself together And because I'm sitting hour after hour after hour with clients. And when my father died, I didn't know what to do. He just died one day. He was living on Wednesday and he died on Thursday, April 23rd. I didn't know what life was. And I went into mode. I was like, okay. Um, my boss was like, well, Tab, you want to take some time out? Mm, no, no, no. Mm, Cause I, I can be busy. I started back working. I think it was a week and a half. My clients were like, Dr. I said, Oh, I'm good. Okay. So come on, let's get ready and process and got in mode and got in mode because I couldn't sit and I'm the therapist and I'm supposed to sit and process and do all these things. And it wasn't until after my birthday, the first birthday without my father, I broke down like you wouldn't imagine. And the tears just came and came. And I was new to myself. I said, I can't do this. I have to release this. I've got to give myself permission. I'm not even doing what I teach the women in my group to do in my practice. And I had to fess up to my group and say, sorry, 
everything we talked about in group, Dr. Taylor didn't do. And they were like, what I said, didn't do it. I said, it's purposeful, intentional daily work that we have to do to give ourselves permission. With COVID, I look at it as this big old pause. And for mental health clinicians, our phones were just blowing up. Imagine. People needing to go to therapy. All you could do was look to your left, to your right, in front, and behind. That's all you could do. You couldn't go to Sunday brunch. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't go to dinner. You couldn't go to happy hour. All you had was you, yourself, and you. Right. That's it. And for some people, it was a very cathartic, oh, let me spend time on myself. And for some people, it just freaked them. And I'll use good English on here out because they didn't know how to handle it because their coping mechanisms was going to church, Sunday brunch, happy hour, going to people's house. You've stripped everything away from me. What am I supposed to do? And that is why we saw depression go to a whole nother level because people actually had to sit and be present and deal with all their issues that they knew were there, but they exacerbated and became pervasive because there was no external factor and distraction to hide under. Right, right, right. Wow. And, 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 and I think that made a lot of folks afraid because they're now, the, you know, now you're learning the, the new you that's been you, but this is new right. to you because you've been suppressing it because right. of taking home so-and-so to football practice, so-and-so to soccer practice, oh, such and such. Okay, we got to sell these Girl Scout cookies. Oh, we got, I mean, and we're just boom, 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 boom. Right. And now it's like, no. Mm-hmm. And, and I can only imagine the women in your group and just, just you know, from the topics that, that, that you uh, discussed, in your group, you know, it, it was just like, well, wow, you know, first of all, the connecting, you know, understanding why we do what we do. And so that's what you're talking about, this piece of, right. we, I think we are told, and I don't have any brothers, so I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, just, I'm just going out this, so don't be writing me talking about you don't know nothing about it. I don't, because I don't have any brothers. I have a God brother, and that's it. But I feel like that the women are taught like you said, survival techniques. Absolutely. Ways of coping. You got to stay strong because like you said, the world is, you know, we're black folks are on the bottom and black women are at the bottom of the bottom. You know, exactly. the brothers are above us and then mm-hmm. the rest of the races jump off. Right. There you and go. so you, I don't know. I just, I, all I know is like, be strong, go out there, do your thing, right. you know, speak up for yourself, you know, such and such so forth. And I don't know any other way. And then, Again, being a college administrator, you're out there, you're helping the students, you're helping the faculty, you're helping, 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 helping. But again, you know, why, why do I do what I do? Why, why do I, why do I do it that way? Is, and is it, does it basically manifest from just growing up and having a mom that says, this is how you're going to do it. You got to work, you know, how, how does that, how do you come about doing what you do? That's probably my question. Transgenerational trauma. Yeah. Intergenerational trauma that we call fight to power, strong black woman. We're holding it down. We hold the house. We hold the family. We hold the community. Cause that's what we saw generations of women, the matriarchs do. But how happy were those matriarchs? They got it done. They got it done. But at what cost? So all we know is what we see and what we hear 
And we repeat the cycle. I think it's one generation to the next generation to the next generation because it's how we cope. We're in survival mode, but it's a badge of honor too. So if I have the audacity to tell you, mama didn't say it right. What you you mean? My mama didn't say it right. Because it's okay to feel. It's okay that you're not number one. Number two, number five is still good. But for a Black woman to reframe that in her mind, we are geared towards perfection. You be at the top of your game because that's how you'll get noticed. That's incredible pressure. And that's why we do have high propensity towards obesity because we eat our feelings or drink. And it's a general statement, but it does impact us quite a bit. Not just Black women, but women in general, because there's this idea of how we're supposed to present. Mm -hmm. But it's the suffering in silence. I look at my grandmother, who was a woman beyond her time, caterer, did a lot of things for Jewish people. There was more Jewish people when she died there than Black people. She was 62 years old had a massive heart attack. Wow, that's young. It's very young, but she just kept going. And people would say, oh, Miss Laura, she's kind of mean. She's kind of this, you know, don't mess with her because she was always on, always on. She never brought it down until she couldn't do it anymore. And she died. And coming to find out her hyper, her blood pressure was skyrocketing. Nobody knew because she didn't tell anybody. She just got it done. Made sure Sunday dinner was ready and Bishop came to to the house and made sure everything was set. She had the plastic on the furniture so nobody messed up the furniture. But she was 62 years old and died. That's too young. But that's the story for a lot of us because we don't give ourselves permission to, mama gave a good message, but how is this really working for me? How am I going to teach my daughter to say it's okay that you're not number one. It's okay if you don't get it right the first time. It's okay to feel. And don't allow people to define who you are as a woman. And this younger generation is doing it better than we did, Corliss. Really? They're doing it in as much as embracing, I'm going to wear my natural hair and I'm going to be thick and I love it. Whereas we were much more trying to meet this Eurocentric model because that is what we were taught. Our mothers were baby boomers and, you know, they fought that fight. But I noticed with the younger um, women that they're really embracing of their culture of being a Black woman, a strong Black woman, but in a healthier way. But then they have their issues too because they want it quick. Right. <laughs> they want it now. I call it's it like, the microwave kid. Ding. Exactly. I'm gonna ding. I'm like, yes. no, right now. Ding. ding I want it right ding. now, right now. Right, and I tell right, them, right, right, right. Learn to be ovens. Ovens, right. the food tastes better in the oven than it does That's in the right. microwave because it's not always right. cooked all the way through. And we're gonna preheat it too. So we gotta wait for the preheat. Exactly. And then put it in. Absolutely. You are definitely right about that. They want it now. I need this raise right now. I graduated. I should be making a hundred thousand. No, boo. No. Exactly. No. (laughs) When am I going to be the supervisor? I I know all this stuff. This is going to happen. This Mm -hmm. boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. That is that's the that's the downfall of our new generation. That's the downfall. They wear their hair. They wear it natural, and they're proud, and they wear their wraps. And I'm like, look at these young women. They have more courage than I do because I don't know that I would have done it. 
been in them because it's a mindset of what looks good. I got my hair colored. I thought I was really saying something and got it curled. It's cute. And it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cute. From that straight look that you Right, 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 right. No, I like and that. So, yeah, thank you. So I really thought I was doing something, but how freeing it is for me now at the end of this where I could say, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. So I could tell you that I cry. I can tell you that I'm in pain. I can tell you, no, I can't do this. I'll do it next week. I can do it, but I can't do it right now. I can't be in five different places all in one day and really think that I'm going to have any semblance of healthy living. It's just not going to work. So we have to learn to sit back and be okay with not being able to do everything. And that is one of the hardest things that Black women have a tendency to kind of shy away from. Because if I do that, then that means I'm not strong. And if I'm not strong, then who am I? Because that's what I'm striving towards all the time. Even though it hurts, but I'd rather be in hurt and pain, people thinking, oh, she's strong, she can do it, versus not and feeling vulnerable and weak. But we have to recognize that strength does not depict strength. What's really strength is being able to say, I'm going through. I need some help. I'm going to need more time on this report. I can't see these many clients pacing ourselves and taking it one step at a time instead of always going towards the big blueprint that we have that's 10 years out that we can't even take be present and take joy in the year one wow um so i just got a text in from one of my sorors um miss diana and she Mm -hmm. was saying we become imposters to not feel inadequate we care for others as we try to present ourselves as perfect and i think you you, you were talking she you were talking about this after she she had texted and then you were talking about it Mm -hmm. um it, it is, it's, 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 it's sad, but it's like, I don't know any other way. Like, it, right. <laughs> as I'm trying I to think, okay, as I, I mean, cause I have just, I mean, broken all the way down because of COVID, I've, you know, and if I can't do it, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, I have definitely I, this year, no has been in my vocabulary and a sense is like, nope. And they're like, well, why come on? Sorry. I'm tired. You know, you have right. to listen to your body. And a lot of us won't listen to our body until it just knocks itself out. You know, you get the flu or whatever. That's um, right. Pre-COVID, you know, until you get completely sick, you just keep going, blow your nose, keep it going. All right, I'm going, I'm going. Right. And it's like, no, we we can't, we can't continue to do that, do that to ourselves. Because you, again, that heart attack piece. Yeah. Um, because we're in this, I want to switch it up a little bit because I want to make sure I want to hit some of the things that you talk about in your group. Um, that's all of it is important. But this one, I feel like, we are dealing the society that we are in now mm-hmm. and how Trump left us with this yeah. just and, and his trumpets and, and, you know, this yeah. feeling of just haterism for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you talk about and I'm reading right from is process and learn healthy ways to deal with racism and racial racial trauma. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you take that on. I want to hear about this. That would be a whole nother show. Uh, But I will give a little, to do it some justice, 
we encounter racism, systemic racism, institutionalized racism. We're not going to change them. So who do we have to change? Ourselves. Mm. We're the only person that we can change. And it is a struggle to work on yourself, do what you need to do for yourself when someone is continually telling you, no, do it again. No, do it again. Healing needs to take place within our community and coming together and recognizing that we are not going to probably achieve everything we want as far as racial acceptance, but we don't allow what is projected on us to define who we are. (laughs) I love Lizza. I do. I said, she is a plus size model out there working it. Beautiful woman. I said that is body positivity. That's right. Because we hear of a Eurocentric view. You could have some hips, but the hip got to be a certain way. The butt's got to look a certain way. And that is projective racism on as well, as far as us as Black women and what our body should look like. And when she busted out, I said, wow, she, she's got more courage than I. Look at her, beautiful woman and embracing herself. And that's how you deal with racial trauma. You embrace who you are, but first you got to find out who that is. And you've got to give yourself permission to find out who that is. And you've got to heal from the inside out. You have to, it's not about getting your hair done, your nails done, losing weight. It's learning to accept who you are and to, you can't erase them. But when you hear the voices of you're this and all the stereotypes, we're too aggressive. Oh, you know what? Soften down a little bit, all this stuff. You have to learn to shut off those voices. And how you do that is you reframe it for yourself. That's coming from an entity that does not have permission to define me, who doesn't have the right to define me. And just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. My truth is my truth. So you can't deal with me because I'm a black woman. Not my issue because I know who I am. And when God is in me and this is the spiritual part of me, he's going to make a way regardless of who you are and what you try to do. But it is a battle that we will deal with. I don't know that we ever won't deal with it, but I created a space where we can talk about it and define who we are for ourselves. And that is how we deal with the racial trauma that has affected us as women. And you sit in a room and you're like, it happened to you too, right? And it's happened to you. And you learn to band with one another in a healing process of my body is okay. I can wear my hair short and it doesn't define me as a certain type of woman. I'm just who I am. And that takes time and it's a process and it's the affirmations. It's the journaling. It's reframing those old messages that you've heard, seen, and be, that have become core beliefs to the point where you have to change it for yourself. We can't look outside in to change us. We have to do it from inside out. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you're right. That's that's his own little that piece of hope. <laughs> right. Um, but I appreciate you giving us just a little bit, just, just a, a little bit, bit. Mm-hmm. nibble, just a nibble upon. Um, getting getting or getting in control of our feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm so oh, you're so emotional. It's just you you know, it's like and especially when they try to look at racism and then tell you that you're emotional about what was said or what would what somebody called you or yes. You know, you know, it's always, you know, you're just so emotional. You're too touchy. It's like, mm-hmm. you, know. you have a chip on your shoulder because you actually know who you are as a person. And again, I always heard you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. And I was like, is that a bad thing? Because I actually am kind and care and love people and compassionate. So when we hear this, you're too emotional, too sensitive. That is part of the problem in the transgenerational trauma that tells us we can't feel our feelings. So it's, you're too emotional, you're too this. So I'm going to internalize and I'm going to create a facade so that you won't say that to me. But there is nothing wrong with having my emotions and feelings. Now I have to work on how do I present that? I can't get into the room and go completely off on you. But I can address my concerns with some passion. And if you can't deal with it, that's on you. But that is easier said than done. And it's something I've heard myself over and over. And quite honestly, I'm a sensitive person and I can't be emotional. And when I am, I look to myself and say, hmm, I could have done that a little bit differently, but I can still sit in front of you and say, I absolutely am sensitive. But what does that have to do with what we're talking about right now? Hmm. Please explain to me why that's a factor. But again, I've done a lot of self-healing work. At one point, I would have just kind of sat there, try to pretend, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I didn't mean, mm-hmm, I sure was. And the problem with that is, let's have a discussion about it. And being able to use your voice and advocate for yourself. But we're shamed by the emotion and you're too touchy and you're too sensitive because they project that onto us, meaning persons not of color, because we have the audacity to come in the room like we actually know what we're talking about. Mm. We're going to try to keep us in a certain place because, mm-hmm. well, you can come in, but we don't want you to say too much. Right. We want you just to sit down and you do what we want you to do. Right. We let you sit at the table, but you don't, 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 don't. Just sit there. Right. Don't, don't offer too much because we really don't want to hear everything you say unless it agrees with what we're saying. Right. And so again, a whole nother show, but again, when you start to look within and find that healing for yourself, be it your spiritual practice, whatever that is. And learn to love on yourself. But most often, Black women have not just received the transgenerational trauma, but there's a lot of propensity of childhood abuse and trauma, sexual, mental, emotional, verbal. So a lot of those voices of inadequacy that we heard, we heard in childhood, family, friends, sometimes caregivers. Mm -hmm. And so we're still fighting this struggle from what happened in childhood how I maturated into adulthood. Now I go into this thing called the world. They're nice either. So where do I get a break? And how do I define who I am? Because I'm hearing it from one end on the other end. And then I have to figure out who actually that woman is. Wow. Whew. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and, and wow. Um, and then I know this is a whole nother show. We might have to bring you back for this one. Learn <laughs> skills to deal with relationship problems. We probably have to just put a pin on that one and just have you. <laughs> I'm back yes, yes. The one thing I will say quickly, and I say it all the time and come in. He's doing this and, and the kids are doing this. And I sit and I listen. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, yeah. And what part do you have to play? Well, what you mean, Don Chapman? I said, what part do you have to play? Because who's the common denominator in all the relationships? You. Yeah. There you go. I can't change my husband, my kids, my employers, but I can change this. And when you change, your situations change. A lot of times <laughs> as women, we have, now, Corliss, before you got married, you know, you had a list because we all had a list. He had to be a certain this, that I think I had something stupid, like 125 things on my list of what he needed to be. I look at that and I laugh. I wish I could find it because I looked for everything on that list with a man for him to have, because I thought it was going to depict my value and worth. And that's what we mostly do as women. They have to be a certain way, look a certain way, certain pedigree, education level, all that stuff. And I thought about it. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) I could do that for myself. I don't have to have that in him. I could have it in me. And when we start to look at ourselves and the man is an additive to the relationship and not the defining factor, then we will have more successful relationships. But again, it's that external, this together, pull in, yay. No, yay, then project out. Mm. Because I'm not going to look to you to make me happy. You're going to add to my happiness because guess what? I'm already happy. Mm. That's where the work comes in. W-O-R-K, work. And that is going to help you with healthier relationships when you like, love, and value yourself, and you don't look for something external to you to define who you are. And most often, we as women, Black women, we look for our men to make, look at me, look at, we got the best Black family, and look at us, and we got the kids, and we're in Jack and Jill, and we're doing this and doing that. And so now I'm good. But what if you get divorced? What if your husband dies? When the children leave and go to college, and you're sitting there? me, myself, and I, what do you do then? Because everything that defined who you are was external to yourself. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, and the thing is you hear, you know, you hear it, but it, it, it takes something like sitting down for an hour and listening to it from you now. And it's making you think about, you know, what am I doing? What am I taking care of myself? Like you said, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, having been married and divorced and realizing like, okay, you know, people say, so what do you want? You know, when you meet somebody, what do you want? I said, you know what? I can tell you what I don't want. And there what you I, go. There's so much easier. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what I don't want. And when you hit that, that's when it's done. Right. It's like, oh, no, 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 well, no, come on. Court. Thank you. Had a mm-hmm. great time. Absolutely. <laughs> know your deal breakers. Absolutely. Not perfection. It's not out there. And if you can't deal with it when you're dating, don't think it's going to change when you get married. It's just going to intensify. So everything that you have right now as you date him, 
you can say this is how it is. Okay, cool. You better accept that because when you get married, don't expect it to change. But a lot of times women think, well, he'll get, he'll get better. It, it'll it change. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll work it. Mm-mm. And then it exacerbates and you wonder why. Well, right. was he doing that when before you got married? Well, uh, okay. If you couldn't deal with it then, then right. don't try to change it later on. Wow. So as we wrap up, uh, we have about five minutes left. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we did pretty good. I was trying to go through the list of the things that you discussed. Mm-hmm. Get, connect and get support from others, which is obvious being in that type yes. of a group. Yes. Uh, understanding why we do the things we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the healthy ways of dealing with um, r- uh, racism and racial trauma. Yes. Getting control of your feelings and emotions and learning skills to deal with relationship problems. So yes. I think I see the common common denominator in all of that, and it's you. There you go. That's exactly. We could put just a big capital Y, capital O, capital U for that entire list. And what that is, is working on you, changing you. It's the only thing you can control. And when you change yourself, your situation looks different. It can't help but to, because you're not the same individual. That's why when couples come into therapy and we have to give that disclaimer. Now, therapy can be very painful, hard. We can't guarantee you're going to stay together or that you won't, uh, won't stay together because there's going to be growth. And when you start growing, what you used to deal with is no longer comfortable. I have the greatest story and I'll say it really quick. One of my clients came in and frantic, Dr. Tabitha, and really frustrated. I'm going to lose all my friends. Lose all your friends. I'm changing and what they used to do, I can't deal with anymore. I didn't realize how silly they were in this and the conversation, I just can't deal with it. And I was sitting there and I said, but who's changed? What? I said, who's changed? Now, maybe they have been in therapy and we just don't know about it. But when you change, your situation changes. And what is acceptable isn't acceptable in the same way as it once was. So when she's when so when you, you're saying just like the silly things that I mean give us give me like an example of what she thought was that she could well do. you know there's confidentiality but basically growing and maturing and taking off those layers those masks of I can talk about how I feel what I want this isn't working and when you start growing as a person you are not comfortable in those same places because you're not the same individual. Sometimes you develop and foster relationships that you never would have because you didn't have the wherewithal, the coping skills, the insight to even accept that type of relationship because am I good enough for it? And then when you're in those relationships that you were in past or currently, and you're like, this doesn't feel good. I used to sit in this, but I can't. Because see, it never was comfortable, but you had become immune to it and just dealt with it. But when you decide to work on yourself, those things that are toxic, chaotic, codependent, they are no longer comfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
that's growth, right? That's what it's exactly. about. Exactly. It's about wow. growth and it's progressive. And you don't get there overnight. If you come in at 42, you're not going to get it done in six months. It's going to take a minute. Right. Wow. Well, I totally appreciate you being here. I've been getting texts and people are like, oh my God, this is good information. And even, <laughs> wow. though, even though it's a, the thing that you're doing is supporting women, there's a lot of lessons in here for men as well. Absolutely. Thinking about, you know, what they are doing. So absolutely. I love my black men. I have them in in the practice. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And uh, if I may jump in, thank you for saying that. Because at the end of your day, it really takes two to tango. Decide your partner, but let's get it done. Absolutely. I had wanted to get a men's group together, but it took a while to get it together. And it's still something I'm progressively doing. But I would love to because just if I could get the men and the women in the room, I'm like, wow, you guys are both saying the same thing. How do I get you in their room together? Because it is it's the same thing. And it's just being accepted for who you are and finding love. Who doesn't want to find love and partnership, whatever that looks like for you. But we're doing this because we're not understanding each other and we're not listening. And that's a key word, listen. Not I'm hearing you and you're talking. No, I'm listening to what you're saying. And then I will take a step back in response, not prepare my response while you're talking. Right. Dr. Burnett will tell you about the next show, which is mine. And we are just always like this. Yes. Okay. I know. And she is the smarter one. And she will <laughs> tell you we black men think we don't cry. Oh, yeah. And we train the boys that way. Black men don't cry. Absolutely. There's a great book. I can't remember his name about black men crying. And I uh, I can't remember that. I have to tell you about it, Corliss. But it was the most beautiful book. And I recommend that to my African-American or black male clients. And I think his name is Jason Wilson, something like that. But it talks about we as black men, we do cry. And it's a beautiful, beautiful book about black men and releasing emotion. And it's powerful. It's one of the most powerful things I've read by a black man regarding emotions and feelings and release. Well, we're going to end Mindful Monday. <laughs> we're going to end Mindful Mondays and transition to your show, Godwin. Um, what's the name of your show? I'm sorry. It is called In Your Own Words. In Your and, Own Words. And, and today it's an interesting one because I just got a call from Missouri and my guests will not be able to make it today. But I'm all here because it's also my birth month. In two days' time, I'll be 50. And I took Dr. Kelly's fashion sense and I tried to look like her. I'm working on it. <laughs> Okay, but so those who can't see, uh, if you don't know me, I am bald. And so he was just asking me last No, I'm not. It's only this part that is bald. Oh, right, right. I mean, talk to me. You're trying to say, you said you're going to... Yeah. And, uh, and, and as I listen to the transition and I follow the other shows, I'm filled with a lot of emotions because a lot of things also just come into being for me. As a black man... As a person of color, as somebody that also has studied languages, linguistic anthropology, origin of language, and uh, until I came to America, that I call home today, Mm -hmm. just two decades ago, 
I did not know I was black. I thought it was the same as being African. Mm-hmm. Then I now saw differences. Mm-hmm. And by differences, I mean I was now re-educated. In other words, I needed to get out of school to get educated. Mm-hmm. So it was not just that four walls, the praising from just one lens, but to understand the realities of those around me. So I'm also a physician and, and, and as a physician, I'm stuck at looking a lot of times at intrapersonal health. Yes. And you, the smarter ones, also oh. tells us about interpersonal health. Right. And the context of the relationship, which is the ecological health. So it's not ecology is not just environment. Right. So I finally left school to go to school. Mm-hmm. I understand. And that has been my story. So when the guest for In Your Own Words by Dr. Godwin Ocker, which is usually on the first Mondays and third Mondays, mm-hmm. told me was... You know, something has happened. It happens. And I said, hey, it's my bread month. <laughs> Let's continue because it's different realities. Mm-hmm. It's different context. But we really do have stories. Yes, we do. We have things to say. We have things to share. And uh, that is why we have this kind of radio show. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, let's go to college and take the classes. So we're not giving lectures. Yeah. That's right. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> absolutely correct. So, Dr. Kelly, sorry. Oh, no. You... <laughs> but I just. We're thought... on your time. So now, you no. know. <laughs> no, because I, 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 I just feel a lot of connection with your own show. Mm. And the transition. I usually just log in from behind. And just right now, I just got off uh, a board meeting. Just uh, a month and a half ago, I was appointed to be a board member of the West Side Regional Center. Oh, okay. And uh, we know what the Regional Center does. It's usually to discuss access for people, you mm-hmm. know, disability and so on and so forth and it's a board that did not come without lobbying Mm -hmm. it was a board membership that did not come without an interview Mm -hmm. but it was very beautiful because i was asked a very basic question are you aware of our mission statement if i were donald trump and I was going to respond with Twitter, I would have said, da. But I didn't say so. And I said, this is your mission because it's done the, on the website. I teach. I can have my screen on the other side. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I want to now ask the board, how do you define access? Especially right now in the month of June. As we prepare for June things, mm-hmm. what is access? Is access equal to accessibility? 
because it is there, I can go there. What if I go there, then they don't speak my language? What if I go there, I don't meet somebody that looks like me? Mm -hmm. And I tell, hey, bro, man, it's tough out there. I'm just here to see you, but I've not eaten for two days. Or baby mama is on my case. What if I go at the end of everything, they send me that famous letter that says, this is not a bill. (laughs) But you know, (laughs) then you see the itemized issues. You see, at this point, we're still discussing access. One second. And at this this point, uh, Dr. Kalis, we're still discussing access, right? But not beyond accessibility. We're not even discussing cost. We're discussing the real access. We're talking about the cultural appropriateness of access. We're talking about beyond the affordability. We're talking about the adaptability of the system. I did not go to school here where primary education, secondary education, tertiary education in the U.S., but I went to more school here Then I brought more school in. Tulsa was a hundred years ago. Mm. And you go to the newspapers right there in Oklahoma and they do a great job of even removing the scripts. And you cannot Google it and actually find the original newspaper clippings Mm -hmm. of the event. Mm -hmm. Guess what? A lot of people died, but not everyone died. Mm -hmm. Which means some survived. That is why President Joe Biden could go meet some survivors. We had ceremonies. We had the beautiful world. But this is it. Do you think they trust him? Do you think they trust the system? And if you were in their shoes, will you trust their system? The answer, my sisters, it's no. And that will also influence access. You see, we're not even talking about culture yet. But we're talking about the build-up. Why June thinks is important. Look at the declaration, so-called end of slavery. And look at the time we got the memo. Because even after the declaration, there was still a position. There was still negotiation. And I use the word negotiation because in the class I'm currently dealing with, we talk about flexibility, we talk about... uh, decision analytics we're talking about making all those fancy tree but i talk about advocacy so at what level do you advocate you want to stop adjust the policy level and we and we deal with the legislatures you know we get somebody in or we pay somebody to be there or 
we want to also include the consumers of the final products, which is you and I right now, so that we can choose. I wrote something yesterday that it's not a blame game and uh, about telling the tobacco company, you know, we run them out of town and destroy their business because the tobacco company can also describe themselves as being vulnerable. I'm not trying to play the devil's advocate, but I just wanted my graduate student to see the other side on how do you define who is vulnerable? Because right now, we have different groups and classes of people. The Caucasians also think they are vulnerable right now. They are being run out of town. The tobacco company also thinks they are vulnerable. And the student wrote me and said, Prof, is there ever a good use of tobacco? I didn't reply. I waited. Took my shot of what I needed to. Then I asked, what about if we go to the history of the medicinal value of tobacco? I'm not advocating for tobacco use or the product. The medicinal use as a pesticide, as this, blah, blah, blah. The historical perspective that is being drowned and just the fact that in North Carolina I was a Wake Forest University just 10 years ago and over there in the fellowship program they were one of the largest employers of labor and still by the black people so it's not one size fits all so even in our advocacy we still also need to be careful for what we wish for. Or we may just get it and we'll not be ready. In your own words, in the show that I run, <laughs> I know you have to leave. But these are the points I highlight. So I am so glad we've had this minute, uh, Dr. Yeah. Taylor. Oh, you're welcome. Well, we yes. continue this. Yes. And uh, Dr. Kalis is just a hostage for a few minutes more. Okay. <laughs> but this is it. It's just as you've said, it's, it's keeping it real and trying to tie the things together. Just think about it. You have many black brothers in jail today for marijuana. And I have to apologize because my daughter was running around. So that's why I had to do a quick exit (laughs) and come back. 16 minutes, mama. But, um, you know, it's just nice to be able to be carried over to another show. And it's so valuable of the information that you're sharing because how beautiful it would be to have Black men and Black women in the room. And being able to have that conversation with egos down, right. tempers, you know, put in check, open, and let's just keep hope alive and love one another, but be vulnerable. And it, that is what we have to create, safety and being vulnerable. Right. And we have a way to go with that because when men, Black men and Black women get in the room, it's like, <clears throat> okay. What's he going to say? 
What's she gonna say? What's she gonna say? Right. Instead of just let's all exhale and recognize that we are here for one another. Not to fight, but to walk the road together. Not apart and divided. And that's where we're still growing, I believe, as a community, as people. All right. Well, there it is. So, Colette, we were we were easing off of Mon- Mindful Mondays, but then Godwin <laughs> jumped in on Mindful Mondays and took, a, took us into his show. So now we are both going to go ahead and exit and let y'all do Very y'all good. Well, I wanted to say something to Tabitha because I did listen while I was driving. Okay. So I did not miss it. And oh. I think what you're doing is absolutely excellent. And the conversations need to be more than fewer. The conversations need to be had all day, every day, because we've got that kind of trauma and we've got that kind of issue. Yes, absolutely. I try to go on Clubhouse. I went to two different Clubhouse platforms Mm -hmm. and one was black men and white women. Mm. And why? And there's several clubhouse platforms that talk about why black men date and marry white women, mm-hmm. and why black men should be as valuable as black women. Mm. Okay. And yeah, they use the word value. That's very interesting. That's, yeah. I thought the same thing. That's very yes. interesting. Yeah. And then the other one was what the problems between black men and black women. And Mm. I really and truly believe that the issues between black men and black women, I don't think that they can be addressed until...